0: You are listening to True Crime Twins, a true crime podcast hosted by Chloe and Melina Cantor. True Crime Twins is produced by Crawlspace Media. Welcome back to True Crime Twins. I'm one of your hosts, Chloe Cantor. Melina will be back next episode. In today's episode, I will continue to discuss Virginia serial killer and rapist, Jesse Leroy Matthew Jr. Jesse was active between 2002 and 2014 when he was caught after his abduction and murder of University of Virginia student Hannah Graham. His other known murder victim is Morgan Harrington, who was abducted from a Metallica concert in Charlottesville in 2009. For more background on Jesse Matthew, his origin story, and criminology, please listen to our episode, The Criminology of Jesse Matthew. Today, I expand on what was discussed and explore the possibility of more victims with my friend, Sarah Sherman. Sarah was born and raised in Charlottesville and has been studying Jesse Matthew for years. Her research, knowledge, and ties to Jesse's stomping grounds bring unique and compelling insight into the mysterious killer. Sarah and Jesse ran in some of the same circles in Charlottesville, and she has been able to learn more about him and his habits through the people who knew him.
1: I have interviewed many women who have known him. My friend who owns a bar called Rapture, she told me that he always hit on the drunkest girl at the bar. And like the most out of it, the most maybe disadvantaged or vulnerable, she would always tell them like, don't go home with him, don't go home with him. And then another one, my other friend, um, I got this a lot too, said that when he would walk into the bar, like he does stand out. I mean, you you can't miss him. Um, She told me that she loved his dreads and
0: that he was handsome. In the first part of our series on Jesse Matthew, we discussed the extensive childhood trauma he endured, including repeated sexual assault victimization and exposure to his father's lewd behavior. Sarah was well aware of his father's conduct.
1: I knew that his father, when when Jesse was young, would take Jesse to the father's sex workers and make Jesse watch.
0: Jesse Matthews' crimes began in college when in both 2002 and 2003, he was accused of perpetrating two separate on-campus sexual assaults. Because these cases were handled internally, Jesse was able to evade charges. In 2005, Jesse escalated attacking an unsuspecting 26-year-old woman in Fairfax, Virginia, outside of her condo. He raped the young lady and attempted to kill her, but when he was interrupted by a passerby, he escaped. His survivor not only escaped with the attacker's DNA under her fingernails, but she was able to describe his face to an FBI sketch artist.
1: The people at his work... When the sketch came out, they're actually teasing him about it and saying, wow, you really look like this guy. And apparently he got really mad, which I guess anyone would if, you know, they looked like uh, the sketch of a rapist murderer. Um, But it's just it was funny to me because they were all calling him out on it. It was a spot on sketch. It's, It's pretty spot on.
0: If you did an overlay of Jesse Matthew's mm-hmm. face, but thinner, without a beard and without um, the dreadlocks, it, it's identical. When Hannah's remains were found, they realized that the property was on a route where signs with that sketch of Jesse Matthew were posted, and apparently those signs were frequently ripped down by an unknown person. Jesse Matthew compared to other serial killers, is not famous. There were no taunting letters to the media a la BTK, no interviews, no statement, no testimony. Such actions would have given Jesse more notoriety, but this was not his motivation.
1: Jesse Matthew is not a notoriety killer. He doesn't want people to make him famous because of his crimes like you said in your first part, all he ever says is that he's ashamed and embarrassed for his own family.
0: Killers have their own methods and rituals unique to that individual, from their motives, MO, desired victim profile, and how they gain control over their victim. Some killers rely on incapacitating the victim, while others, like Jesse, relied on manipulating their victim with a false sense of security or a ruse
1: i and he he doesn't say i'm sorry to the victim's families when he's doing the alford plea he doesn't doesn't say that he can't he doesn't even look at them
0: he's deeply ashamed of himself and i think a lot of his behaviors are rooted in his shame that i think comes from his repeated traumas in childhood mm-hmm. and the things that stunted his development are just clear in his later behavior and there's also a progressive nature to his behavior as well like an escalation which is very interesting to see and it's ultimately what got him caught because he just he got a little bit too brazen doing it at a place with so much surveillance with so many witnesses yes. it reminds me of israel keys because Israel was caught because he had gotten very impulsive and wasn't really being secretive about his actions, sort of like Jesse was in the end. At a certain point, they become desensitized to the the thrill and the danger in what they're doing. And I think they end up taking it up a notch more and more to sort of get more and more of that rush that they're seeking, that feeling that they're nurturing and it just escalates and that and they lose control that's definitely
1: it Jesse certainly did that and that whole night with Hannah her last night I've watched that CCTV footage over and over and over again ever since this happened and it's quite crazy and eerie and awful to see him just hunting her And, you know, then he puts his arm around her and she's just like desperately trying to get this man's arm off of her. And then she walks ahead of him again. And, you know, it's and Chloe, I would also like to add that there were so many witnesses to this. There were so many people saying phrases when they walked by them like he's going to F her up. A lady straight up like said that out loud, um, and then as you mentioned, when she got to his car, she said, "I'm not getting in this. What? It's stolen." And then another couple beside them said something to the effect of, "He's going to f her up," and all of all of it. And it, I just think when you see something, say something. You know, if something doesn't feel right to you, if I know a lot of people don't want to get involved, I understand that, but this just this whole thing with them walking, it looks so wrong. It's just how they're walking and what he's doing. You just know, like bad times are coming.
0: It's a heavily intoxicated, impaired young lady alone at night unfamiliar with Mm -hmm. her surroundings and a complete stranger who is showing an unusual and unsettling interest in this young lady. And it doesn't seem motivated by helping her. I feel like even just watching those videos from a distance, you can see that he's attempting to facilitate some kind of ruse. He's trying to make her feel comfortable and like he's trying to help her. But if that were really the case, he'd be he'd be asking if there was someone that he could call it yes, that's what I've always thought of. Yes, he wouldn't be taking her for more drinks. And
1: No, certainly not. <laughs> and and the, by the way, Chloe, I just want to say that bar closed really shortly after that because they really needed to be keeping an eye on the fact that they were serving a guy who was serving an 18-year-old who was already drunk. Yes, that yeah.
0: they were certainly liable, negligent, complacent in that scenario. And Jesse Matthew certainly underestimated surveillance and CCTV in preventing him from continuing on. But he, I think, depended on and was able to rely upon the complacency of the public in both the abductions of Morgan Harrington and Hannah Graham, because Morgan and Hannah both could have been saved. Morgan had cut on her face she -hmm. was acting erratically when she left that metallica concert by herself security must have been chatting as a representative from help save the next girl an organization founded by morgan's parents said security must have been chatting like how is this not raising alarm bells no one thought to to help her it seems and with hannah like you said there were plenty of witnesses there that could have stepped in but did not
1: they really could have and the same with Morgan. Her hitchhiking on that Copley Bridge, like, that's just so out of the ordinary, like, I, and the ruse. Again, I believe he's good at ruses, but I also know that those two young women are incredibly smart. Um, they wouldn't be here They wouldn't be in in Harrington's case at Virginia Tech. They wouldn't be in Hannah's case at UVA if they weren't incredibly smart. So this man goes for desperate girls, goes for girls who are lost, goes for girls who are impaired, goes for girls who he thinks needs him. And I would love to know what he said to morgan especially to get her in that car because she was far from home and the thing that you mentioned in your first part i really kind of clung on to because you mentioned that he would he was known to exchange sexual favors for rides
0: there was one report of him attempting to do that and the woman got out of the car and didn't want to do that. But that's so that's something that he had been established and at least trying to facilitate, trying to do that. Yes. Suggesting, a sex act for a ride, I don't think is something that he probably would have said to get her into the car. It might have been something that was said once she was already trapped in the car to get her in. He probably did exactly what he did with Hannah. He probably acted like the cool guy. Hey, like, I'll help you. Um, Mm -hmm. Like not putting his arm around her because he's picking her up. But like you said, he could have acted like super chill and said, like, don't worry. Like, I got you. I'll help you. I'll take you home or I'll take you somewhere. And because I can see that you need help, like, don't worry about paying me. Like, something to make her feel at ease. And plus, you know, with the with the official taxi cab, that
1: probably right. instills, like, a sense of security. He definitely has something that these girls buy. Like, he says something that makes these girls feel at least a little bit comfortable or else they wouldn't have gotten into the car with him, so... What really haunts me is that when did she know that she wasn't going home? What was the point for her in the car when she knew this isn't happening for me and this guy's taking me way out to someplace I don't know? It's a
0: very disturbing thing to think what she experienced. I think in Hannah's case, we know that I think she realized she was in trouble before she entered his vehicle because she was seen fighting with him verbally outside of the car saying, I'm not getting into this car. Then Mm -hmm. they're gone. And dogs were able to smell that she had like adrenaline. This case was the first time I had heard of that science to not only be able to track a person, but to be able to tell that they're upset or having a rush of adrenaline it must smell right. a little different in, in a way a little that, bit different yeah but um, with Morgan it's it's much harder to say and all we can hope was that her suffering was very brief
1: I don't I don't think it was Chloe but I would like of course to think that yeah I just you know, I, I think that was a long and painful death because he is a sadist. So he would like to prolong that murder. He would like to prolong their pain. He just crushes them, and um, it's it's very very sad. It's he's incredibly violent. Broken
0: ribs, broken legs, noses. Mm-hmm. Um choking people out he's tremendously violent and without a weapon it seems exactly bodies
1: his weapon exactly and that's just terrifying alone
0: hannah graham's parents said that hannah is a hero because in the end she died stopping this man this monster this predator and
1: also if he wasn't caught then. He would have just gone on and on and on until he was. This guy wasn't stopping. He found his happy place. And he was going to keep on killing.
0: It worked for him for a while. And if yeah. he had stuck to places without witnesses, he probably would have been able to continue. But it was an irresistible impulse, what, what he saw in a very was. vulnerable Hannah. Given his ruthlessness and the magnitude of his criminal conduct, it should be considered that Jesse Matthew may have more victims, and there is unfortunately no shortage of missing women in Virginia. Cassandra Morton was 23 years old when she disappeared from Lynchburg in October of 2009. There are very few public details regarding her disappearance, especially when compared to Morgan Harrington and Hannah Graham.
1: They didn't write about this girl properly. They didn't cover this properly. They didn't, nobody helped. It was almost like nobody cared. And that's, that's just disgusting. The thing about Cassandra is that, and I'll quote her stepfather on that, this, that she, quote, fell in way too early with drugs and men, end quote. She also had a daughter And the very sad thing about her case is that the day after she was murdered, she was actually going to go into treatment because she wanted to straighten out and she wanted to be with her daughter more. And then she's killed. On October 10th of 2009, Cassandra Morton, 23 years old, disappears from Lynchburg neighborhood, which is her apartment. Exactly a week Later, on 10-17-2009, Morgan Harrington goes missing. And her body was found on Candler's Mountain Road, which is a retreat owned by Jerry Falwell's Liberty University. She was covered with rocks and leaves. Her perpetrator's attempt at concealment was kind of good, I mean she was found 50 feet from the road and there wasn't a clearing there yet when I went they had cleared all those woods but the man whose property the body was found on took me down there and showed me like we went into the into the field and down towards the tree line and he told me exactly where she was found which is 50 feet from the road one of my sources told me That Cassandra left in a cab I mean it's it's sad because there's just not much about her that I can know and um, I'm just very disappointed in our press that that she didn't get the response that she needed compared to Morgan Harrington Hannah Graham and Alexis Murphy and I firmly I, of course, I think that every missing person should get press and, but in with Cassandra's case, you know, this is a really, Lynchburg's a really small town. Um, Her parents are elderly. They did not know what to do. This affected her mother so terribly that she had to go on antidepressants. And she also has high blood pressure. Her health is not good. You know, I talked to the police they told me that they interviewed 30 people. She was too decomposed to determine a cause of death. So it was homicide cause of death, undetermined. It would be very good to know actually how she was killed. And uh, cause then I could almost say yes or no, like it's either him or not. But yes, yeah, she was found with rocks and leaves covering her. And the police said that's exactly how Morgan was found with the rocks and the leaves. When they first discovered her, they were trying to find Morgan. They didn't even think about her and she was already reported missing. When they found her, they thought it was Morgan. Being found as kind of an afterthought. Exactly. Yeah,
0: well put. The family didn't have the resources that these other families had and there's not the the same outcry that you get when it's a white victim and it's it's devastating
1: yes it is completely devastating and it makes me angry she was completely robbed of not only her life she was completely robbed of being able to to turn it around
0: and with such few facts out there it's difficult to to profile it at all what do we know about clothing
1: Okay, well, I know only a little. We've only been alerted to a little here. I do know that her mother identified her by her moccasins. So I found I found your your foot fetish uh, theory, his foot fetish theory, to be very interesting. I talked with someone about that to a doctor, a forensic psychiatrist, and he told me. That if it was him, maybe he didn't take her shoes because maybe that wasn't part of the fantasy yet. Like it, he wasn't maybe entertaining it yet, but it was something that he's thought about for a long time. And and so, if it was him, he didn't take her shoes, which which would go again. And because he, he took Morgan and Hannah's shoes, right? That's what is believed because
0: those items were not found with the remains when other items of clothing were. The missing items between both victims were underwear um, and the shoes. In Morgan's case, an expensive necklace was also missing. None of these items have ever been recovered. I was hoping when Jesse was arrested, they would find all of those things in his ceiling or something. But as far as I know, those items haven't been found. At first, you know, I would think, oh, well, maybe one or or more of those items were missing by coincidence, you know, due to animal activity, the elements. But mm-hmm. for it to be the case with both of those ladies and for him to have had that incident on the night of Hannah's abduction where he tried to remove the a shoes, it sort of adds up to suggest that this was a ritual that Jesse had developed. And it's unknown when this was developed, but right. I, yeah, I don't know if he would have done that to RG if if he were successful because in describing her attack she said nothing about feet or shoes as far as I recall so it's it's possible that that was something he became interested in or emboldened to do later Mm -hmm. on or it means or he was doing that all along and this isn't a connection but who are we to say all we can do is speculate on this ritual of Jesse Matthews because he doesn't talk.
1: Yeah, he's just, he's famous for it. I, I wanted to go into Red Onion maximum security for a long time. And I, thought, I was very pre- presumptuous, I'm sure, in thinking that I could get him to talk because I really wanted to. And I wanted him to cop to more to the real number before he dies. He's so ashamed, 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 ashamed. That's really what he most wants to express. He's ashamed that he did this and embarrassed his family. So it's odd because when you're dealing with a psychopath, are they capable of shame and embarrassment? And I I think yes. I think shame is
0: is different from remorse. Shame, it has to do with how others view you and, Hmm. you know, your reputation and it's, it's less about like who you actually are and what you actually did. It's kind of how you're perceived. So I think he does have loving feelings towards his family members and he regrets that his behavior has brought shame upon them and that shame has been brought upon their name and his name. And he probably feels embarrassed A lot but i don't think he feels sorry because he doesn't he never talks about being sorry he just talks about being ashamed
1: it does it reminds me a lot of when bundy was confessing right before the chair it was like he wanted to get the stay and right when they started talking to him about kimberly leach the 12 year old he said oh yeah that was a mistake and it's kind of a cryptic sentence because you're wondering like did that mean uh mistake like she shouldn't have been born or you mean like you made a mistake and of course I believe he's saying he made a mistake and then an interviewer says well what were the other girls and he says oh they were a choice
0: I think a lot of these serial killers have personal limits that they set with themselves, whether mm-hmm. or not they can actually abide by those limits, it's questionable. As mm-hmm. I interpret that statement by Bundy, it's that maybe he was not happy with himself and ashamed of himself when he victimized children. Yes. I know, for instance, Israel Keys had a soft spot for children and tended to avoid invading homes if there was evidence that there were children there he just that was a limit he had set with himself but right he was losing control more and more who knows what he would have been capable of but probably Mm -hmm. would have felt shame and I don't know if Jesse Matthew wanted this from his life I bet he wanted to do really well in college athletics and somehow make a career out of it
1: I don't think this was ever what he had hoped for himself but no, I don't, I don't believe so. But I do wonder what was the stressor. I think we could point to a lot of things here. You're being, he's being kicked out of school, removed from the football team. He can ne- never play football again. That's got to be, for him, that's devastating.
0: And when it's mm-hmm. taken away in a way that is perceived as unceremonious, particularly, I think mm-hmm. it's extremely traumatizing. They lose all sense of identity they don't even hope yes like people become suicidal in these situations so i i think that was really a formative experience and i believe he blamed it on the women rather than on himself and now a quick word from our sponsors thanks for listening to our sponsors now back to the show in november of 2012 sage smith disappeared in charlottesville She's an African-American trans woman standing at 5'11 with a skinny build. Sarah has looked into the possibility of Jesse Matthew being involved in her disappearance.
1: First of all, I'd really like to point out that Sage Smith um, identified as a woman and a gay woman. So I will refer to Sage as her and woman because that's what they preferred. Sage Smith was last seen along West Main Street near the Amtrak station on November 20th, 2012. So I can explain a little bit about where that is to you. And the thing of it is, is it's right next to UVA. So this is Jesse's like trolling area and it's also his season. And now they had a good suspect with Sage for this this guy, Eric McFadden, who, Right after Sage went missing, just bolted to New York. He fled, and uh, oddly enough, now he's missing too. From his mother, like his mother actually filed a report in New York, and now the police just classify this Eric McFadden. They've lowered him from suspect to person of interest, and I'm not sure why they did that. Um, if they wanted to appear more like non-threatening, like like please come home, dude, because we need to ask you some questions. Or if they changed it on on some because of some other fact or something else that they found out. So Sage was also kind of like Hannah and Morgan in the way that they were, she was planning for a date with Eric McFadden, and he never showed up that we know of. So again, we have this kind of lost feeling, this desperateness, this like waiting around. Um, And nobody ever talks about Jesse for Sage Smith. And I really wanted to bring that up because it's his hunting grounds. What if Jesse rolled up on Sage? Because she was a beautiful, beautiful woman, very striking. And he ran up in on her and offered her a ride or whatever ruse. And she got in and something happened. I think whoever
0: murdered or is responsible for the disappearance of Sage, I think it's very likely that the motive was at least in part hate. And because she, because she was a trans woman. And we see cases that go that way all the time in the media unfortunately it's absolutely devastating how it is how trans lives are treated and just because someone believes that something has made them gay because they're with a trans woman it's it's so rooted in in hateful beliefs and it's certainly no justification in committing murder
1: absolutely not and she was just expressing who she was and who she's always felt she was. In fact, I think the day before she went missing, she wrote on Facebook, I'm a girl now. And so I thought, of course, well, that could incite violence, like from any, maybe someone on her Facebook, like that That this could have been a hate crime. And I just was kind of toying around with the idea of what if Jesse Matthew was responsible for that and how would it go down if he was.
0: Yeah. And as far as his type, as far as like a typical victim profile, we know that a lot of people tend to show a preference in the race of the victim or the appearance. But -hmm. that's not the case with Jesse Matthew. The two murders that he is serving time for and has been convicted of were of white women. The attempted murder case, that was the victim was of Southeast Asian descent. So she was not white. She was a woman of color. I think he was looking for attractive, petite young ladies. And Mm -hmm. Sage, like you said, was gorgeous and and stylish. I think easily Hmm. Jesse might have been interested if he saw her.
1: Again, well, nobody with Sage. I mean, this place is really vast. You don't have to drive too far to be in the country. Sage at first
0: really... uh, compared to hannah graham specifically the attention that her case got was dismal and again this is attributed to the fact that she's not your typical upper class white victim she's trans she's black and she's of a lower socio-economic class so Mm -hmm. sort of overlooked but i feel it has gotten some renewed attention in the aftermath of the hannah graham case i saw that there was a story about Sage on IDs disappeared and Sarah Turney actually just did a fantastic episode on her show Voices for Justice. Jesse, I don't think would ever acknowledge involvement if he were involved in this, because I think a motive in, in harming Sage for him would be him being triggered about her being a trans woman. Yes. And he would, he wouldn't admit that if, if that was enough for him to kill her, it would be enough for him to never, ever acknowledge that he did that.
1: Exactly. Yes.
0: Sarah has also explored the possibility that missing women Autumn Day and Sophia Rivera may have fallen victim to Jesse Matthew. These young women both disappeared in 2003, and minimal information is available to the public regarding their stories.
1: Autumn Wind Day was last seen in Newport News, Virginia on July 24th of 2003. Um, All the reports that I've ever read about Autumn's disappearance always say that Autumn Wind Day disappeared from a Food Lion grocery store in the parking lot. And it was the middle of the day. And then I come across this one report the day before yesterday that said Autumn Wind Day was last seen walking away from a hotel with a man. And that's like, whoa, that's a way different spin and a way different story. Who is the man? Can't you ask the clerk who was the man? And, you know, and he was there. And at the time he was at Christopher Newport University. Has some similarities with Hannah in that she has beautiful reddish hair and that pale skin that's it's very striking she was a cute girl because it's it's very hard to solve this case with so little information and again you
0: see this contrast with with morgan's case with hannah's case there were press conferences regularly updating the public on the status and we can't even get basic details as far as these two disappearances in 2003.
1: Exactly. It's just because these victims are marginalized or they come from different types of families or they're a different color. They don't want to write about them. They don't care. They don't think they need exposure. They're people too. And they had friends and somebody knows something.
0: They always do. There's absolutely no reason for this disparity in coverage. It's hateful. It's Harmful and it's like you said, disgusting.
1: Miss Sophie May Rivera, last seen Newport News on September seventh of two thousand three. She was thirty-one years old, and she wasn't. An, she's an African American woman. Her kids live with their grandparents. I I got a sense with Sophie that she's kind of like Cassandra in that. She was surviving and she's trying to put her life back together so that maybe she can have her kids back. I know she has a really interesting story that deserves to be told. At least like, tell us what, who she was, what did she like to do, her mothering, maybe um, anything. And, and I don't, there's just, there's just not anything on her. There's one article about her and I started studying her years ago along with Autumn, along with Sage, and along with Hannah and Morgan. And I just, I don't know, but again, there's no body. And it's Newport News and he's there. Um, One interesting thing though about Sophie is that she was supposedly disappeared from her home. But it's really hard for me to trust these articles because it's not consistent. These are daughters and friends and women who were robbed of their lives way too young.
0: We may never know the true extent of Jesse Matthews' devastating crimes. It's my sincere hope that the investigative agencies in charge of these unsolved cases in Virginia continue to work just as hard as they would if the victims were more like Morgan or Hannah all of these victims deserve care and attention from the authorities and the media. I'm grateful for people like Sarah who look into these possibilities. I hope Jesse Matthew may have a change of heart or conscience and come forward before he succumbs to cancer, but it is possible his shame and his ego will never allow such a thing to happen. Thank you for listening to True Crime Twins. To keep up with us, please follow us on social media. You can find us at True Crime Twins on Twitter and on TikTok. We are at True Crime Twins Podcast on Instagram. You can also email us directly at truecrimetwinspodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. If you enjoy our show and look forward to new episodes, please subscribe on your podcast feed, rate us five stars and tell a friend. Thank you for listening and see you in two weeks.